Welcome to the sermon podcast of Midway Christian Church. We're a Disciples of Christ congregation located in Midway, Kentucky. You're always welcome to join us in person or follow us on Facebook or YouTube. This morning, I'd like to share some words from John 13, verses 10 through 17. Jesus said, Those who have taken a bath are completely clean and do not have to wash themselves except for their feet. All of you are clean, all except one. Jesus already knew who was going to betray him, and that is why he said, All of you except one are clean. And after Jesus, after Jesus had washed their feet, he put his outer garment back on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I have just done to you, he asked? You call me teacher and Lord, and that is right that you do so, because that is what I am. I, your Lord and teacher, have just washed your feet. You then should wash one another's feet. I have set an example for you so that you will do just what I have done for you. I'm telling you the truth. No slaves are greater than their master, and no messengers are greater than the one who sent them. Now that you know the truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. You know, I enjoy walking daily and being with my friends on Saturday mornings and Sunday afternoons. Um, it's a wonderful time for fellowship, meeting new friends, and helping worthy causes through the entry fees that we participate in our 5K runs. And this afternoon, I'll be running another 5K in Walter Bradley Park to help Northside Elementary School. In the spring of 2022, I joined my friends in downtown Lexington to run in a 5K called Make a Connection. Before the event started, Mark Lyons, president of Alltech Corporation, spoke. He was telling us a little bit about the race. But unfortunately, I wasn't paying any attention, and the race started without me really knowing anything about Make a Connection. Alltech had another Make a Connection 5K later in the fall at Keeneland. And this time, I was much more attentive to President Lyons' comments. His father, Pierce Lyons, founder of Alltech, had a favorite poem called The Dash. And Mark talked about the tombstone and we all have a birth date, we all have a date of death, and we all have a dash. And he told those gathered uh, for the run that we may, not be, we may not control our birth or our death date, but we have complete control of our dash and how we live our life. He said his father taught others to have a purpose and a passion, which will be your why. And when you have a why, you'll have a how. And then your dash or life on earth will have influence. The race started just like every other one, but this one was different for me. I didn't think about the competition. I didn't think about how I was doing, how fast I was going, what would I be doing after the race. The entire race, I thought about the dash 
on the tombstone. And I'd like to share with you the poem, The Dash, by Linda Ellis. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noted that first came the date of birth and spoke of the following date with tears. But he said what mattered most of all was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time that they spent alive on earth. And now only those who love them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and how we spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that can still be rearranged. If we could just slow down enough to consider what's true and real and always try to understand the way other people feel and be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this, this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is read with your life's actions to rehash, would you be proud of the things they say about how you spent your dash? That poem really caught my attention. You know, I've been to the hallowed grounds of Arlington National Cemetery and enjoyed my time there. While I was there, I concentrated on the birth and the death dates and completely overlooked the dash of those buried there. I often walk through the cemetery in Midway where I have so many family members buried there. Sometimes I would stop and look at tombstones and would always concentrate on how old people were, subtract the birth date from the death date and see how old they were at death, but not anymore. Now I wonder about their dash. A few years ago, I was walking through town and I said, said hello to a woman on Grat Street that I loved to death. We started talking about Midway in general, but also those who had passed. And I told her how much I missed my dad. And she started sharing stories about him from her personal experience. She concentrated on his years of being the city clerk here in Midway. She remembered he would always listen to her concerns and problems and constantly show empathy to her. He would then try to help her, and she always felt better after the talk. She said, my dad always had time to listen and always tried to help. On that day, she didn't want to talk about June 17th, 1922, or she didn't want to talk about December 22nd, 1999. But she wanted to speak of his dash. Many years ago, during my first days at Lexington Theological Seminary, one of my classes was called Preaching. That was the actual title, Preaching. 
And the first day, the professor asked the, asked the class the question, what was more important, the life of Jesus or the death of Jesus? A woman from Missouri and myself raised our hands when he asked if the life of Jesus was more important. And then he asked if the death of Jesus was more important, and 38 class members raised their hands. He said there was no right or wrong answer, but I sure felt like there was a right or wrong answer, 38 to 2. Later in the class, he, re he reminded us that we would not be Billy Graham every Sunday. But our goal should be to always strive to leave the congregation something to think about each and every week. Let's imagine for a moment if you were looking at the tombstone of Jesus. Jesus, 5 B.C. dash 33 A.D. You know, what would someone think when viewing that tombstone of Jesus? If you knew nothing about his life or never heard a word about him, I imagine you would probably reflect on how young he was and how his life was cut so short and feel so sorry for him. The two most important holiday seasons for Christians are Advent Christmas and Lent Easter, recognizing the dates on Jesus' tombstone. You know, the events are reflected in the creeds of the church. In the Apostles' Creed, we confess Jesus was born, having been conceived by the Holy Spirit, and then he suffered and died during the time of Pontius Pilate and rose on the third day. What about the dash? What about that dash in between? You know, there's more to the story of redemption than Jesus' heavenly descent and birth through a virgin and his death, burial, and resurrection. There's the story of his dash, his teachings, his passion for justice, his compassion for the poor, and the forgotten. The story of his short life has numerous aspects, and they include the baptism of the Lord. His public life begins around age 30 when John the Baptist had baptized him in the Jordan River. And the Holy Spirit descends from above and a voice from heaven declared, this is my beloved son. There's a wedding at Cana. In his first, uh, first of his public miracles, Jesus turns water into wine at the request of his mother. And there's his preaching. His ministry begins with the proclamation of the kingdom of God and the calling of the disciples. And the bulk of the, of the gospels cover this portion of his life. There's the miracles, uh, including the multiplication of loaves and fishes, the casting out of demons, the raising of Lazarus from the dead. These signs of Christ's power confirm his teaching and his claim to be the Son of God. There's the road to Jerusalem. There's the entrance into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday at the beginning of the Holy Week as he enters riding on a donkey. The shouts of acclamation from the crowd to acknowledge him as the Son of God and the Savior. There's the passion and the death, the resurrection on Easter, the ascension when he ascends to heaven to take his place at the right hand of God the Father. 
And I shared with you earlier readings from the Gospel of John 13. And this is the first of five chapters in the Gospel of John that are referred to as the Upper Room Discourse. The public teachings of Jesus have been completed, and he now knows the end is near. He is reflecting on all that he has done to spread the word, but he's also thinking about all that he has not done. And now he's out of time. You know, we've all in our life wanted to accomplish something, tried hard, and the deadline is approaching, but there's still more to do. Why didn't I do better? Why didn't I get more done? What am I going to do now to finish? Would have, should have, could have. You know, a panic sets in because it's clear we're running out of time. And I think all of us have probably felt that. Well, this is how Jesus was feeling. He spent his final days and hours reflecting on what he had accomplished while trying to have meaningful dialogue with his disciples. Not only did he have to ready them for his death and resurrection, but so very importantly to prepare them to take his place to preach the gospel and establish a new church. Jesus loved his disciples to the very end of his earthly life and ministry. And unquestionably, he loved them fully and completely, without condition or reservation. For this was the fulfillment of his mission. But now he knows that the hour has come to depart from this world and return to his father. He understands that. He knows that the Father has given all things into his hands and he has come from God and that he is going to God. Knowing all of this, he chooses to demonstrate his love for his disciples in a dramatic way by taking the role of a slave and washing their feet. You know, I believe the story of Jesus washing the feet of his disciples is one that comes to my mind more than any others when I think about the dash of Jesus. Humble service, forgiveness. It's so important and yet so difficult to perform consistently from the heart. You have to remember at this time, most people believe that this foot washing took place on the same night as the Last Supper. And I think that's extremely and especially important to understand that Jesus knew this may be the last day of his teaching, by example. Last day. A last chance. And up to this point, we see Jesus saying something like, My hour has not yet come. But now the situation changes. And Jesus knows that the hour is upon him. And Jesus also knows that he will be crucified. Jesus also knows that Judas will betray him. Additionally, swirling around 
there was an undercurrent of unrest among the disciples. They were bickering and arguing about who was the most valuable and who did Jesus like or love the most. But Jesus also understands something else that's so important. He understands that after his death, Peter will deny him and the other disciples will scatter in fear while trying to save their lives. He knows all of this. He understands all of this. And knowing all of these horrible truths would probably cause each of us to panic and feel as low as one could be. The lowest of the lows. Not Jesus. He acts deliberately in full assurance that this night will play out according to his Father's will. Thy will be done. Jesus' act of humble servitude by washing the disciples' feet illustrated their spiritual cleansing. Jesus is the one who forgives. As we walk each day through the world, certain sins of the world will undoubtedly cling to us. And these sins need to be washed away just as Jesus washed away the filth and the sins from the disciples' feet. He promises to wash away our sins and forgive us also. You know, if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, can humbly serve and forgive, knowing all the ugly facts and truths that were present, and serve, uh, we also need to follow suit and serve one another with our heart and our mind. We need to encourage one another constantly with peace and love. We need to know that we can, and the hard part, shall forgive others, no matter the ugly facts that may apply. He tells us directly, leaving no doubt or room for interpretation. Now that you know the truth, how happy you will be if you put it into practice. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live in love and how we spend our dash. I know this morning I wasn't Billy Graham, but I sincerely hope I've left you something to think about. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, help us to understand the words we hear every Sunday are so important. And that the words we hear every Sunday can propel us until we meet again when we're traveling the paths that are before us. Help us to understand the importance of peace and love. Help us to understand the importance 
of forgiveness and help us to understand the dash of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this sermon podcast of the Midway Christian Church. If you'd like to learn more about our congregation, please go to our website at midwaychristian.org.